Hi, I'm Thomas Cross Hoops, and I'm a seeker of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In my pursuit of truth, truth found me, and now I can't stop following him. Join me and my guests as we pursue truth together. I, I always say I'm excited, but it, it really is an honor to have you on, Patty. I, I don't think you know how much you mean to me. And uh, Patty Sodman is a pastor, uh, leader of a, uh, a nonprofit or a, a ministry with her husband, Chris. Um, she's an apostolic leader and uh, just a wonderful woman of God. How are you doing, Patty? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you as well, Thomas. I, um, I was looking back at some of our correspondence and... You know, from the very early years when I came back from overseas and I met you, probably 2009, 2010 for sure. And, um, you know, I can tell anybody listening um, that anything you have to say today has a weight of that you walk what you preach and speak on and write about. Um, You just walk with such a humility and a strength and leadership. Uh, But you are one of those uh, just, you know, to make it clear when I came back from overseas, I was bruised and broken, very uh, hurt from the missions field and just my own life and my own you know, past. And I was not able to receive from men very well. Um, I really needed strong you know, mothering almost. And my mom and dad lived overseas in the Netherlands. And God brought you and Chris into my life. And you know, I was able to come alongside and volunteer in some of your um, care places and outreaches and visit you at church, but you opened up your home um, for counseling sessions. And it had a huge impact on me because I was hungry. I wanted freedom. I wanted to walk out salvation and sanctification. I was just, you know, I needed some help. And um, Patty is someone who would give the shirt off her back. It was so awesome to work with you in those, um, you know, your city planning outreaches and stuff. I just enjoyed it. So, um, First thing I really wanted to ask you was how did you become Patty Sodmont, this woman of God that hears God's voice and discerns dreams and walks in authority? Um, how did that happen? You had to meet the Lord at some point and you, you had to walk it out. So I did. Well, let me give you just a little nugget of my story. So I met my husband, Chris, of course, and I remember going over to his house. Of course, he's my boyfriend and I'd go over to his house and His dad always talked to me like I was missing something in life, and he would kind of beat me up with the Bible a little bit. Um, But I just remember feeling a little bit of pressure from that, and I thought, I'm a good girl. I believe there's a God. And I just was struggling with, what's he talking about? He acts like I'm missing something. And so I'd leave there, and I'd go back, and he always inserted a little bit of Jesus, and every time I would come over, and I'd have conversation with my boyfriend at the time, Chris, and and I began to learn about having a relationship with Jesus, which I did not have. I believe there was a God, but then come to find out even the demons believe there's a God. So it was that time, and I would have been around 19 at that time. So I gave my life to the Lord, and it was shortly before we got married. And uh, Chris and I, it wasn't long at all before we just were serving in churches. And um, I remember working with the youth. And I remember, too, whenever I was asked to teach the first children's Sunday school classes. And I thought, I don't even know the Bible. And they're asking me to teach. And what a privilege to learn the Bible and then teach it. But it was a perfect place to just start practicing some of those things. And finding where I had teaching gifts and finding where I could 
you know, disciple these little ones and use expression while doing it. I get down on the floor with them, you know. <laughs> so I love doing that. And then I remember where it actually grew into teaching adults. Mm. And of course, that was a big jump from children to adults. And still, even today, Thomas, whenever I speak places, I still get nervous. I still get nervous. You know, sometimes I'm, you know, in the restroom, you know, just nerves. Um, and, and it's not even, it's not that I don't think I can do it, but I think it's just realizing that God uses ordinary people. And I'm just an ordinary person. And I'm about to stand before a group, whether it's my own church or a mm. conference or some, you know, national platform uh, I just you know God has just brought me on that journey but my husband it's been a wonderful thing to have a man that serves the Lord with me that you know we're both rowing down the same stream we we have individual purposes and callings but they join together mm -hmm. and so you know I've I, I sat around and I was just thinking throughout my journey spiritually I've gone through phases, and some of those phases were where God just really did a healing in my life, a lot of deliverance and inner healing, and I wrote a book out of that, and mm -hmm. my passion for that whole season was, I want to set people free. <laughs> I just want to set people free. God, I can't believe what you've done in my life. I'm not the same person. I used to struggle with rejection and insecurity and all of those things, not that we don't ever at times still battle a little fringe of that, mm -hmm. but I was just so set free. It was like someone came in with a dump truck and just took all kinds of junk that I had collected in my life from the world, from society, from the image of woman to just everything. And he took it away from me. He just took all that junk in one, in one big haul. Mm -hmm. And then there was little pieces left behind that I worked on over time. But that was my passion. And then from there, God began to speak to me about cities and healing cities and uniting for cities. So, Thomas, it's been a journey and we're not done. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not over until we're, we're in heaven and then it's just another season up there because God has great plans up there for us. But I feel like every turn in the bend is just another another surprise mm -hmm. another platform another way to bring impact to people to communities so i'm excited and yes i came from little towns like carrolltown and hastings pennsylvania and um, but yet i have opportunities and nowadays with platforms like zoom you know where media and technology even today thomas just getting to talk to your audience God has opened so many platforms that we sometimes don't even have to leave our locale to bring yeah. truth and impact to people. So it's an honor to be here. And that's a little glimpse of my story, which many pages are missing from yeah. it, but yeah. it, gives you, it gives you a chapter overview. So in essence, you met the Lord and you've started reading the Bible and putting it into practice. And then you grew yeah. in your giftings with the kids. Yeah. 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 I, I, jumped full throttle in to Christ. And and I've had so many encounters. I am a person that loves to hear from the Lord and just encounter him and unravel the mysteries in the dreams that he gives. And so I've had so many encounters that have 
um, cemented my yes to him. <laughs> you know, it has cemented my yes, um, the price, what at any cost. Mm. Um, and so I'm sold yeah. out, you know. Definitely. I like that. Yeah, so it's uh, City Plan is your non-profit or ministry? Yes. And yes, um, I, I, mm-hmm. I guess when I met you, you were doing the um, community centers in apartment complexes and low income housing. And the one I specifically worked with you quite a bit was uh, in the elderly home, the elderly mm-hmm. community. Yeah. And I was in I went back to college and I guess I'd been working with you for a few years and I was able to take some of the students from my leadership class and that had such an impact on them. They still have messaged me and we would volunteer there and we actually used that as a project for our class and got to put on a you know a barbecue. And I mean, it just, mm-hmm. that's what I was drawn to while I was going through inner healing and counseling. Um, I had safe places with Dan and Pat and with you and Chris to go and be the hands and do the work. Like it doesn't disqualify you because you're going through sanctification or inner healing to feed someone, to carry chairs, to support a ministry. And I thought that was huge because everything you did was outside the walls of the church. And that was one of, one of my questions. How did that really come to pass? God gave you the strategy of city planning with all the different spheres and and you don't get stuck just preaching on Sunday. You really implement it and connect with you know, local leaders and schools and apartment complexes and government. And yeah, how did that come across instead of just, you could just be a pastor, you could be making money traveling the circuit, but you really want to affect the, you know, the environment where you live and everywhere. Yeah. Well, I think the Lord is changing the model of pastoring where we actually pastor cities too. Mm. And so... Yeah, you are correct. Maybe that was the old model of just staying in your four walls or or the desire was never to stay in the four walls. But sometimes we get so busy in the four walls that we don't have the time or the ability to branch beyond that. And so City Plan came along um, actually through a lot of dreams that I was getting about unity. And I shared that in one of those videos that you're going to link on your podcast. Yes. But um, how the Lord really showed me that there could be a divine unity, a functional unity amongst the body of Christ, uh, nonprofit Christian organizations, even our community leaders, to bring real impact to communities. And it was a way for us to be that bridge to churches. And so we created, you know, the unification across the region, calling the networks together, the leaders together, the churches, the pastors together. Mm. And from that, just leaning into the Lord, into the problems that were in the land, sometimes those dictated a need for a project, or we'd have like a school board member call us and say, hey, we need this help in the school. Or we had the police department call us actually to launch some of that work in in Tampa and some of those apartment complexes Mm. because of the need there. So we created platforms for Christians within the churches, you know, across the sectors of different denominations to bring impact into their communities. Mm. So we were that bridge and we wanted the gospel to go out, but we also knew that the key to evangelism is meeting needs. Mm -hmm. So through meeting needs there at the senior complex, we actually were able to start a Bible study. I don't know if you knew that or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did food giveaways, clothing giveaways, those types of things. And it opened up the door for us to be able to plant someone in there to do Bible studies regularly. 
So those are ways that we were able to meet needs, build relationships. You know, Jesus was among the people. It brought us among the people because the people weren't coming into the doors of the church. So we set up camp in these places in the community to shepherd a complex, to shepherd mm-hmm. a people. And what better in that situation with seniors when they're at end of life yeah. to bring them into Christ? Um, we did other complexes, too, that weren't senior, but that, that one you're talking about was a senior facility. It was special. So, I yeah. saw the impact that you had. Mm-hmm. And there's this one mo- woman specifically that she reminds me of the lady from Pollyanna. You know, she was kind of crotchety. She was very tough. And, I mean, she just melted. She just, you poured into her for so long. She she loved you. And even though she put up that tough <laughs> exterior and, you know, she would let me come in to move stuff around or help her in her house. And, but she put up that tough, but you could tell she wanted us there. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I don't I don't look at the tough exterior. It doesn't intimidate <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that those are signs of a greatest need. Yeah. And sometimes they have the most sensitive heart, even though they're really showing an armor on the outside. They've got the tender heart and they're ready. Yeah. And you actually, you said something about, um, you know, sometimes the need within the four walls, it can take all of a pastor or leadership team's attention. And, you know, that was something I meant to ask you about that, you know, what is it that makes it so important that believers um, really take the time to go through that sanctification process or, or as the Lord brings up things, trauma, hurt, pain, that they deal with it. And that's sort of how I met you at a conference. I think I had a lot of pain and we met and um, you had written that book and I actually was just looking for it because I saw it the other day. And it's a, I have a big binder. I have your book and it was so good, but it, it did. It helped walk people through that process of, you know, repenting, renewing your mind, believing the truth of, of the Bible. And um, I don't think we always put enough emphasis that just because you're saved. Um, for me personally, I went on the missions field and had this awesome experiences, but I also had never dealt with all the trauma and brokenness that I caused for the four or five years living in the world before I got saved. So, um, I mean, I was always saved, but I just sort of turned my back. And um, there's a lot of stuff you bring on yourself with guilt and shame. And I had a lot of oppression, depression, anxiety. And through a long journey of walking with the Lord, he's just set me free from so many things. But um, I don't think we often understand that he wants us to be free for real. And uh, what does that look like for like a believer? If they, if they are struggling with something, what, what should they do? Well, I, I believe this is that until we do get set free from some of those critical things, we'll be at a plateau. And the destiny that God has for us is beyond that. Mm. The destiny that God has for us is beyond the places where fear would limit me, where rejection would limit me, where insecurities yeah. would limit me. And so in order to go into those mature places where God has for us, we have to walk through the infancy, the toddler stage. We, we need the sanctification, the cleansing with the washing of the word. We need those, you know, the, the inner healing and deliverance so that, so that we can do everything that God has for us. And, you know, even when I look at the five ministry gifts that Christ gives the church, you know, the apostle, pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, those are for the maturing of the church. And mm. so in order to disciple someone, we've got to walk them through that process of maturation. And that sanctification part, that cleansing part is so important. 
not just for their purposes in Christ, but even within their own relationships at home. If they are struggling, then it's luckily, you know, it's likely that there's struggling within the marriage, struggling within their heart, struggling within their minds. They can't sleep. So all of that's extremely important. I think the freedom classes need to be a, a part of every one of the discipleship models, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. in our local facilities. Yeah. So it definitely <laughs> is something that um, as churches walk their members through, what I noticed is the Lord wants to prepare for the new people to come in. And if everybody's stuck at that plateau, they're not going to be able to love on and disciple the people coming off the street. So, you know, I just know be going to conferences, dealing with a lot of inner healing for many years longer than I should have. You can always be a, a, a victim <laughs> if you don't walk it out and, and get free. And, you know, all you're doing is burdening, you know, like in, in the war days, if somebody got shots, two people have to go carry them out. Well, mm-hmm. if I could lit, walk away on my own, they wouldn't have to come carry me. So we need to be able to go and grow and mature and heal. And um, I think one of the examples someone gave me as a, being a mature believer was being able to go to Jesus on your own for some of your needs and not have to go filter it through the pastor or the mentor. And that's, that's something that was new for me to like, Oh, I can go right to Jesus. I don't have to call someone to pray with them. I mean, and that's okay. If you're in a really bad time, right. And you're full of anxiety and you really need to reach out to someone that you're walking through this journey with, that's okay. But it's also okay to call. My mom always says, Jesus is only as far away as the calling of his name. And I always say that, you know, Jesus, so yeah. he, is, he is here and he is near to all of you that are struggling with anxiety, fear, depression. And he says you don't have to continue and he'll walk you through that journey um, of, of letting him show you where there's something maybe that you can change your thinking on and, and agree with how beloved you are. So yeah. that's uh, definitely been a long journey for me. And I think he told me he's only going to use it for training. I, you know, it was painful along the way, but now I look back and say, oh. I see why I, I had to go through that until I got it. Like Graham Cook says, stay on the topic until you get it. So, Yeah, and I, I see so much, too, in our society with mental health. Mm. And so God keeps pointing my heart back to people, back to the people. What do the people need? And so just to be free in our mind, so many today, what I recognize, Thomas, is if they struggle internally with a lot of mental torment or mm. you know, mental health, rejection, insecurities, all that stuff, if they struggle internally, a lot of times they are always in the same compartment. They, they don't separate their issues. So we call them strongholds. When somebody has this a particular belief that leads multiple places in their life, mm-hmm. it's an immediate thought process that they move towards to not trust someone, to not open their heart, to... to you know, walk into fear. So there's these strongholds in the mind that immediately move people in that direction. And so sometimes when I'm counseling someone or I'm talking to people, I'll see that something happens in their life. It's a new incident, a new day, right? And this thing happens in their life, but they instantly revert back to Mm. everybody doesn't like me. Everything sucks in my life. And they go into this category of depression rather than taking a new situation okay this happened so this person did this and they shouldn't have they lump it in with all the past hurts Mm. all the past disappointments 
and they find themselves in quicksand. They can't get out because now it's mixed in with the mixture yeah. of yeah. everything. So that's walking people into those places of healing and dealing with those strongholds and recognizing them has been incredible watching other people get set free. When they stop themselves in their track and they say, oh, wait a minute, I don't mean everyone. This is one situation with one person. When they stop themselves there, I know I just rescued them from the pit. <laughs> you know, They were used to that self-pity room. They were used to that pit and I just rescued them because now they're able to divert it you know, take it in its own category, its individual issue that it is. I mean, honestly, why do husbands and wives fight so much? Because we're lumping everything together. Sometimes yeah. we won't give each other, you know, the new issue. You never, you never, they say, you never do this. You never do that. Instead of like yeah. what just happened in the moment, we're going into that piled up, you know, storage place in our mind that's hurt. And we don't want that. We don't want things to pile up and, you know, Ephesians, uh, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah. We're supposed to deal with our things as they come through. Keep your spirit clean. Keep your mind clean, your heart clean, you know. And I was just going to say that verse. Yeah. That's that's for me and my wife. We definitely got to grow <laughs> on that because sometimes it's one party's willing to deal with it right away and the other party needs to sleep on it. And it's like, you're not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. want to handle it right now, right? It's yeah. funny because you sound like you're preaching. I'm doing the um, the Jesus Lab year two through the Resting Place Church. And oh, yeah. it's just a great, the first year was so awesome. Just kind of bringing together so many different things that I've learned along the way or believed theologically. But to walk it out and have a safe place to do all the things you're talking about, they provided that mm -hmm. as a church body to go through these schools and renew your mind and go through Romans six through eight and read the whole new Testament, um, cover to cover in nine months and then, uh, multiple books. And, uh, the book that we're reading right now is called victorious emotions. And it sounded like you literally were just preaching it um, for year two. That's exactly because we've gone through so much identity strengthening and I wouldn't have started the podcast had I not gotten through that place last fall. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just had these lies. Like I'm not close enough to God. I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough. Like I knew I was going to heaven, but you have these little lies and um, going through that course really helps solidify things. And now they're focusing on the little things that maybe the Lord will show you that where you go to that direction. Like, why do you go to that? Or you feel this or, and that book's really good. We're on uh, chapter three now. So it's like, you're preaching that oh, book. And yeah. I think you, you were writing about that before she wrote the book. So uh, the Lord is faithful to bring the same strategies out through different people, which is awesome. And that's good. Um, That's good. But yeah, I definitely, um, I just think that as a, as a man, at, uh, you know, at 41 years old, it took me a long time to get to this place of, of really believing I am perfect as I am. And I am, you know, loved and going to heaven and I, and I'm righteous in Christ, but now I can work on the maturing and sanctification without attaching it to my identity. And it took so long to get there because we always, I always attached everything to my identity. So if I was being good, I was good. If I was being bad, I was bad. If the Lord, you know, take on rejection, take on shame. And that was something that it took me a long time to get to that place. And I think that Jesus have helped me separate, you know, like Brendan Manning always said, why I talk to you about those things and those books I would read. It would just, I would cry every time, you know, God loves you as you are, not as you should be. Mm -hmm. Because deep inside, I needed to hear that. I needed to believe that. And I think when you believe that and you know that you are 
whole as you are, you're perfect in the spiritual realm, you're seated in the heavenly places. Now it's okay to confront those issues because they don't dictate your identity. They don't affect your righteousness in Christ. They don't affect your sonship. And that's the message that we need to preach, that people, it's not behavior modification, but we should only be working on those things out of a clear identity of sons of who we are. And when you're doing it to try to be better, it doesn't work because you're just striving and you're going in circles. And I think that's what I was doing for so many years. I was working on behavior modification and trying to change rather than realize I already am changed. And now I can align my physical realm and my physical life and my choices with who I already am. And that's something, I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit, because I think that's what I struggled with for so many years. Yeah. And it would have held you back from intimacy. Yes. And we 100%. Yeah, and when we're free to go into those intimate places with Christ, we encounter him all the more and that teaches us to be, you know, to be able to say no to sin. It it enables us. Mm-hmm. Uh, his grace does. And so when we get into that space of the inner court, you know, where we're yeah. drawn close to him and we're received by the Father and we can enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise yeah. and yeah. boldly approach his throne. Then those encounters with him and that reality being that close to him, it does empower us. You know, I, I'm, I have, um, my life with Christ and all that he's done in revealing and all the doors that he's opened and everything that he's done, the revelation, I, it's the healthy fear of the Lord that keeps me from delving into worldly passions or, Things that I know someone else might know, but God knows, you know. Yeah. So those that is that is because of my deep, deep relationship with him that I choose to yeah. live a life that's free from those things. And I think that's what you're talking about is and you know, intimacy with God seemed impossible when you felt you like you were dirty. Yeah. And so you were able to, and, and others, they're able to go into his arms and experience him in a greater way when they realize it's the righteousness of Christ. And it's funny how you said that, because for me, I've talked about it on the podcast, but corporate worship was that one place I could come and hear the Lord's voice because the confusion was gone, the oppression was gone, mm-hmm. and I would respond to the Lord. And that's where I would, people always said, you're like King David, you're sensitive. It's like, it's like really just, no, I want to be free. And when I'm in these places of worship, I can hear the Lord and I can respond. Wow. And it took a long time for me to, and even now I don't, you know, I'm not intentional enough as I should be. But this past year, I've had these awesome encounters in my office with the Lord and just spending time with him. Or I'd be at work and it's slow between calls and I'll just go on my 50 minute break because the presence of God just filled up while I was reading a book or you know doing a word study. And it was like that was something I couldn't do before. And that's why I always tell people you don't understand how important your, your worship is because it's not for you. It's you and God. It's God and you. And God wants to come out of people and worship in spirit and truth and affect the atmosphere so it can draw the broken in and draw the needy in and some of those people that would never step door in a, in a church ever come into a worship gathering and they they hear the lord because those demons are silenced and the noise and the you know the oppression and depression and so that's something i say like we need to worship god not only for ourselves but for every person in the room because the more we worship in spirit and truth i believe he fills that atmosphere he inhabits our praise um a lot of testimonies from the revival in lakeland 
were that nobody touched anybody or did anything. People were so hungry and they were worshiping so zealously out of their spirit, not their flesh, that God was just popping eardrums open and eyes open and hearts open. And, you know, that's what I want to see again. God's really showing me that it's going to not be the man at the front as much anymore, but it's going to be him coming out of the people in unity. And he showed me these little fires that are coming together, making the big fire rather than everybody being drawn to the big fire on the stage. And I was talking with my dad about that the other day, and he he really feels like there's change coming in how we perceive and how we meet with God. Um, And getting back to that honoring the gifts and calls on on everybody in the the room and and drawing out their voice and their gift. And that's something I I do think God's drawing us back to, that Hebraic model of family and and honoring the gifts on people. And I'm not sure if that (laughs) makes sense. but Yeah, I mean, I think that's the model of Jesus. He said, it's better that I go. And we say, wait, how is it better that Jesus leaves? But he literally gave his spirit to each Mm. person. So now we have a multiplied force, an entire army of of little Christians, little Christ-like, right? Um, All over the earth, you know? And so that is, he doesn't want to work alone. And I think the... You know, the one person on stage is not necessarily the model. It, it can it can raise others up within the congregation or within the stadium. Mm-hmm. We are to desire that and to run with it, not just go look to the man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that reminds me of the scripture, Thomas. It says that all of creation is waiting, eager, eagerly yes. waiting, yes. Uh, like in groans uh, for the manifestation of the sons of God in the earth. And it is, it's a, it's a plural, it's the sons of God, you know, that God is raised up for such a time as this. And we are seeing that we're seeing mm. the honoring of the gifts, the family model, you know, we're seeing the honor. It's, it's not about, you know, I've told pastors here just this past week, pastors and some, you know, apostolic leaders, I said that I have other people speaking in my church. A lot of times, you know, we, I, I will just pray if if I don't have a word or sometimes I'll know, I just want to take a break. And this one over here, I'll point them, you pray and get the word for this week. <laughs> because there's so many opportunities for us to share on so many platforms yeah, nowadays yeah. that the podium is not just my place for my identity, that, that God would want to hear from a multiplicity of voices with different right, anointings right. and different giftings. So I try to, to model that in the house. Um, still knowing that, you know, I might oversee things, but there's multiple voices. You have the evangelist, right. the, the teacher, you have different voices, um, that are speaking and that, that's true. That, that family model is what Christ demonstrates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. There's definitely something happening. Everyone always talks about the new wine and the new and the new, but I just, I really see, um, what I see prophetically is that, uh, the Lord is calling us as men and women to really grow as kings and priests of our own home. And what he showed me is during COVID and, and when crisis happens, you know, who, who are your neighbors and who's next to you and who's your true community? Because the, the average church in America, we drive an hour to church in a big city and we barely see those people. And so it challenged me to who am I growing in that intimacy and relationship with? And um, some of the people may not be Bible believers right now, but they're part of my community because they're my neighbors and they watch my chickens when I'm gone and I water their plants. And 
you know, we do love each other. Um, even if they live, you know, different lifestyle than I do, I, I can still love them and honor them. And that leads to one of the questions I had for you about, you know, you working with so many different groups in a city. Um, oftentimes you're working with believers and non-believers and, you know, what does that look like to be in unity to the degree that we can as believers with, with people that aren't believers? And, and again, sometimes they're pre-believers is what we call them, but, but pre-believers that may not know Christ, but they are drawn to what you're doing and the work you're doing and they come alongside you and support you. Um, what do you give of yourself in that? How, how does that look to be in unity with that? Yeah. So with, with what we share in, in the model for city plan, and I really believe it would be a biblical model, there are some things in our city that require all hands on deck. Mm. Let's say there's disaster relief or there's riots or there's something of an urgent mm. you know, need in our community, our city. And so all hands are working together to whatever, you know, make avail to help this disaster, you know, recovery. But when we actually come to build out in a community, when we begin to release that model, we have some that are non-believers or we have some different leaders that maybe believe a little bit differently. We have different denominations. Um, I, I look for what we have in common. Mm. And then my tier leadership, the people that are on our strategic leadership teams within cities and communities, we want them to have also common biblical beliefs. Mm. Okay, um, so there are some traditional religions out there that may call themselves Christians, but we see that their function and operation is not biblical. Mm. And so those people might be pro-life. They, they will come to some large causes within the community, but when it comes to biblically building out, mm. uh, we at least need enough infrastructure that we're not threatened by belief systems that we feel are contrary to. So you're not opposed to working with anybody, but you do keep your, you know, almost the network that you're trying to build out, which is a net of love and like everything you do is intentional. So the, the care, you know, places within the communities. And so, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. We, when we were meeting with police departments, we actually would call meetings and they were network meetings when we were working with the police department in Tampa there and so we had some different police officers in the room, some community leaders, um, Tampa Housing Authority in the room, and they were multiple people. We were leading the room, uh, the meeting, we were leading the meeting, and we are aware of the people that were in the room, and we knew collectively we all had a piece to bring, you know, resolution to some of the issues in yeah. Tampa, into those low-income housing facilities that were rampant with fatherlessness, um, domestic violence, you know, just that's why the police were involved in these meetings because they were constantly going there to break up issues. And so, so we were able to carry kingdom into that sphere with different leaders. And the fun, the fun thing about it, Thomas, was we had a little hint of spirituality. Definitely there was a hint of it without, uh, without being so overly, Christian in our expression that it seemed like a church service, but there were some others from some of those organizations that I uh, mentioned, they would want you to pray. They would literally say, we feel like this is, you know, 
and, and they were seeing testimonies and they were seeing what God was doing and unifying mm-hmm. volunteers and churches to come into these places. So they jumped in all, you know, yeah. all on board and um, they were excited. So I think there's room for everyone, even, you know, if we have a project leader that's leading up a project in a school, there will be volunteers that come, you know, or mm-hmm. cleanup committees in, in the city. There will be volunteers that come. And often those volunteers, like when we had the senior giveaways or other complex giveaways, the volunteers that came were usually the ones that ended up coming to Christ over the long run because they were there, they were around you, they they began to say, you know, know, I have this need, or they knew, they recognized that something was different in your freedom and in your God that you worship. And so those were opportunities to work together with people and you know christ just rubbed off onto them (laughs) so Mm. you know so i think there's room for everyone in the community work you know we need to look at what do we have in common and what circle do we bring them into if they're a non-believer we're not going to bring them into our strategy team meeting Mm. with our you know our building team of just five leaders from the community but there is a place for them in those different tiers of work that's happening in the community Definitely. If there's a meeting for the Saturday cleanup at the beach, they could come to that. You know, like there's a place for people to join, but they wouldn't be at your higher uh, top of the. And that's something kind of bouncing all over the place. But this is really just the vision God gave you of how to cast a net across a city and, and basically disciple the city like you had mentioned earlier. Um, what does that look like for other, you know, other cities and other pastors and other leaders you know, where can they sort of see the model or, you know, on my website, seekeroftruth.co, there's going to be a video that you're talking about some of this. There'll be links to your church and your uh, ministry. But yeah. what would be a good place for somebody that says, you know, I, I think you told a story about someone that was trying to do everything. And one oh. thing we learn, and I love Pastor Caleb Hires, I was always, you know, really mature in that as such a young man. He says, um, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. So what the resting place does is they come alongside other ministries and organizations and they try to work with where they're already in that area. And right. so it, that's sort of what your city plan. It allows people to network together and do things. But some small towns or bigger cities may not have anything like this in place and they feel like they're an isolated little yeah. you know, church. What's their steps? How can they get some strategies that you have to actually uh, yeah. walk that out? So we have a few things on our website, but also they can contact me through their contact the contact page on our website which you'll be giving that link to but we really want to come along other cities and i've been working on what we call a transformers toolbox Mm. and we have one for city plan which has a lot of different diagrams that are not on our website which i've been building out because i really believe that we have to instill that vision and give them Mm. the how to this step and this step You know, and that's what we've been working on is their startup tools for new communities to be able to help them launch a movement within Mm -hmm. their community and and choose that executive team that will be the leadership. And how do you work with pastors and walking them through the process of all those different levels of unifying, you know, Mm -hmm. for for kingdom purposes. But um, so so those are some of the things that we're putting into place as as well as video and also, you know, coaching those mm-hmm. leaders in communities to to develop their team to do this but you know it's interesting i i 
remember back when Lance was teaching on the seven spheres of culture and, you know, how we as believers are called into the sphere of government, into the sphere of business and education and media, arts, entertainment, all of these different things. But I was looking for a plan after I had all these dreams about unity. I was looking for a plan and that's that's what I've spent my my life. Thomas, this has been my life. <laughs> Building out tools for teams to launch in their community um, because we have to be able to think big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be able to think that it's not just my church or this church or even a mega church that has enough volunteers that they might feel that they don't need the other churches. Mm-hmm. We, we need to see ourselves working together and take responsibility for that, that region that God has given us because he does have a desire, you know, for healthy equipping in the schools. He has a desire that our children will feel safe, you know, when they're going to school. He has a desire for healthy families. And so a community really is a group of people. You know, all the buildings and all the infrastructure and all the systems within is really about meeting the needs of a group of people in that region. And everything all through the gospel is about reaching people. So we have to think beyond the four walls and have to think what could be a plan if multiple churches, not every church is going to, is going to connect, but I worked with those who came to the table mm-hmm. and we began to just build that kingdom infusion in us to, to see how can we, how can we see a movement come from us being jointly fit together. Sometimes I'll use the illustration of if my upper part of my arm was not jointly fit with my lower part of the arm or linked to my hand, I wouldn't be able to pick anything up. I wouldn't be able to move anything. But when we connect together, we bring the best of the best from, from the community together. And now suddenly we can solve big problems that we couldn't solve on our own. And we're not all trying to run to the mayor. (laughs) We're not all trying to run to the superintendent of the school. We have some sort of collaboration happening, and they see that. That's why we got approached in Tampa by the school board, by the police department. They say, we see that you're able to gather churches together because they didn't see that as being a possibility. Mm. They said, we see that you're able to do that. We need help. Yeah. So there has to be a cohesiveness of the community. The church is coming together. It's not about just one church doing it well. Yeah. We need each other. You know, we have a mission together. You're seeing that all over the world where um, churches are starting to connect more. And and you saw in Tampa with Together. And, you know, that's something Mm -hmm. that started in the 80s and 90s where we were doing Jesus Walks. And these things are growing. And. I'm seeing a lot of little churches connecting with two or three or four other little churches and doing things together. And, you know, at a church I'm working with, Dad, they're starting to do these multi-church events more and more and have, you know, different churches come in and model their intercession or prayer, or do worship together and have a, a prayer night for the city. And um, I think doing the community outreaches is going to got to grow as, as we're continuing mm-hmm. this. And I was over here smiling because I, I always I knew kind of what you were doing. But I just realized when, I, when you know, you're talking about the seven mountains and seven spheres, I watched a video um, on your page that it will be on my website. And um, when I was in the leadership training school in Amsterdam, right before I came to America, right before I met you, was 2009. And um, 
that original teaching of the seven mountains that was it came to two men at the same time so bill bright from campus crusades and lauren cunningham from wyram they both got the same word from the lord i think it was like 75 so that god wanted this out there and you've literally been someone that's like i heard this teaching i saw it you know kim commander whoever you learned it from and you're like i'm gonna do something with it and that's that's really that apostolic nature that you're you're someone who puts things into motion and you you hear strategies from the lord and we don't all have to reinvent the wheel. So if there's something that you're doing that's worked, we saw it in Tampa when you were here in your city now, it would be great to go and look at the resources and have other uh, cities or leaders, just how can we come alongside? And it doesn't mean they have to copy everything or do it exactly like you did it, but if they can get some support from you or from your organization, if they can um, get some resources and even step out and just link to some other organizations and churches, it's going to be huge because the you know that's why we call it the city of tampa the church of tampa we're we're not we're not a bunch of little churches it's it's one church there's only one church in the world right so um i do think that's huge and uh you know you're definitely modeling what that looks like because you you saw a need and you asked the lord for a solution and that's something that i don't think you know i did a good job of uh introducing you as just being such a you know uh, apostolic but also um you're definitely a world changer. But there's a word I was thinking of where you, you definitely, you put things into motion. And I think that's what we can all learn from. Um, if you say, you know, here I am, Lord, he'll, he'll give you the tools. You just have to make yourself available. Um, what would you say to just the average person listening that's a believer and they work for a living and they don't really feel like they're doing much? What would you say? Because they have gifts, they have tools. How would you yeah. encourage them? Yeah, well, I think, too, is identifying what their gifts are and then connecting. So it really does take a little bit of time to, to connect your gifts to a mission that God is doing. And so staying isolated is not an answer because sometimes we stay isolated and we say, I don't know how God wants to use me. One of the things that I did, Thomas, was I served. I just mm-hmm. I got busy in serving. I started to go to different network meetings and pastors network meetings and going to the National Day of Prayer, things in the community that were already happening where I could serve, Mm. come alongside, show them that I'm a team player in the city. Uh, And God was building all this stuff underneath, you know, that I knew someday I would bring out as more of a, you know, Mm. a forward motion plan. But if they can get active, even on a small level, you know, if they say, well, I'm too busy to get active, just engage in something on a small level. And let God get a hold of your heart because when we give, when we serve, there is such a joy that fills our heart because Mm. it's better to give than to receive. And so we come back with testimonies. We come back feeling like God used me. And that just fires us up to do more, you know, to connect more, to be used more. So I think that gifts on the shelf that are dusty are not, that's not their intent. Mm. If you get a gift for Christmas and we put it on our shelf and we dust it off, that wasn't the original intent. But open it up and use it. You know, apply it. You know, plug it in. (laughs) Turn it on. The the gifts are for the body. The gifts are to be enjoyed. Mm. The gifts are to be used. I like Mm. that. Yeah. I definitely think there's more um, people waking up their 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 eyes are like they're seeing things for the first time and they're being drawn and what you said that that's really it like get involved somewhere 
and you'll find what you're passionate about. And the Lord says he gives you the desires of your heart. He wants to put desires in your heart so you have them. And if you desire, I remember this one young lady that was a new believer and she just saw a need and not very many people were doing anything. And they all thought she was crazy. She started collecting um, jackets in Florida, in Tampa. And um, she had a lot, like hundreds and hundreds of them. And she was a new believer. Everyone thought she was nuts. And it ends up that was like the coldest winter. And she just was able to get community people from the church to go out and hand out these jackets to people all over the city. But she just heard the Lord's voice in her heart. She said, I feel like I'm supposed to collect jackets. And she just dared to step out and do it. And she actually provided a lot of um, comfort for a lot of people. But she just saw a need in her heart. She didn't, it wasn't, that was even beyond her physical eyes. She just felt something and she went with it. And it, she didn't care that people thought she was crazy. And I thought that was so cool. Absolutely. And there's so many homeless in Florida too. So mm -hmm. if it's a cold winter, you've got a lot of homeless people that are cold. There's a tent well. under my desk that I bought for somebody and he wasn't there when I needed it, but it was cold. And I, I started just being drawn back by the Lord to get involved. And I would drive by Sly and, um, and uh, 275 and I would just start bringing clothes to them. I had all these extra sweaters and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to get the Lord. Like I saw these $150 tents at Walmart for like $20 on sale. And it was a little more than that, but I, um, I bought them all and I literally had this one guy in mind for this tent. And I guess he got moved on. Um, but he said, that's the hardest thing is, you know, if, if they do get moved on, they'll trash their tents or break them. And these are those kind that are a big circle and you can make it flat. And I was like, you could hide it. And so I've got it. And every once in a while they come back. So I've been looking for him and uh, I want to give him a tent. But um, yeah. it's that's, funny. That's the best place, Thomas, is to look for a need. Th that's one of the things I share on that video that, that is on your page is I actually had a dream. In the dream, it said the key to evangelism, Jesus demonstrated in the scripture. When someone was hungry, he fed them. When someone was thirsty, mm. he gave them water. Mm. And when someone needed healing, he gave them healing. And he was a friend to sinners. So when I look at that, sometimes it is just friendship, you know, checking in with someone, talking to someone, and over a period, just sowing seeds into their life. Sometimes it is giving them a jacket or, you know, giving them some hot soup, you know, whenever they're sick. Those are all things that we as believers can do, you mm. know, to be able to, you know, begin to use our gifts and to see what God wants to use us for. And, and so we've done that on cities, even on a grander scale, when we say, what are the needs of a city? We talk about the needs of an individual, but what are the needs mm. of a city? Yeah. So now, collectively, because we're not just one isolated church, but we are a body, collectively, we can support some of these greater needs in our city. We can connect with professionals yeah. in psychology. We can connect with professionals, you know, in, in the different areas mm. to leverage this collaborative work in our cities to meet the needs. And that is called bringing the kingdom of God into our communities. You know, so so there's stuff for all of us. Right. We have to open our eyes, you know, and when we do, we'll see that, like, the kingdom is close. Like, there's something right here that's something of a need, whether it's a person or something in our community that we can yeah. lean into. And God will honor, you know, just handing someone a bottle of water. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I talked with someone else about it before. Like, you and I couldn't feed every single person in Tampa. 
It would be, well, daily or, you know, just going out today and trying to feel it. We couldn't do it. But if, if we do start to learn to, you know, follow the Holy Spirit, he may have that one person that we need to feed that day. And, that, and that's something I thought about, too. He's never going to, you know, rebuke you for giving someone water or feeding them. However, you'll see a lot more fruit if you start to like, hey, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to see? And um, I think that's something that, that will help people see those relationships grow. Like if there's one specific person. Um, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to people because in the people on the streets in Tampa, they move around. And um, I sometimes want to find the same one, but sometimes that's just, sometimes you're just a little blessing with a bottle of water and you won't see him again. But it's nice when you can see the same person over and over and talk to them and encourage them. I, I do like that. Yeah. What if we had the mindset of who can I wow today? Who yeah, can I wow? I like that. I, I, when I would be in those different apartment complexes working amongst non-believers, loving on them, it's interesting. They'd see my vehicle pull in and I was like, Mama Patty, you know, but I would always be in the back of my mind thinking, how can I wow her? How can I wow him? And I remember someone coming in one time saying, do you have any deodorant? My teenage daughter needs deodorant. And I didn't have any. And so very privately, I just gave her a couple dollars. And, you know, I wasn't always handing money out to people because I would have just been drained. And <laughs> yeah. But I gave her a couple dollars. She cried right there. Um, but I But I looked for different ways to wow people because if you wow them, you know what they immediately think, Thomas? They think, wow, you must be an angel. <laughs> wow, God must be here. And so people attribute the wow to something supernatural that God is supplying. And it immediately turns them towards, you know, from natural thinking to like a provision, yeah. you know, a kind word, a, a hug, a meal. You invited me over for Thanksgiving. I don't have any family. You know, you wow them in some way and they immediately start to be sensitive to the things of God. Mm. And so I think that's a great, great thing to think of. How can I wow people into the kingdom so that they can be wowed by a love that is so tangible that it touched their life in that moment? I, I like how I'm just barely going into some of these topics, but you have, a, you know, you have your church website, you have your uh, ministry website. If people have more questions or want to watch some videos or dig deeper, um, but I just think when people start to think about these types of things and they, they start to talk to God about it, or it just puts their receptors up. He's going to bring, you know, the opportunities for these things to happen, whether it be in the small or connecting with, you know, local churches and leaders. And so there's something, um, just to be thinking about things, because when you think about something, you start to want to create it and you start to want to do it. And I think that's, that. I pray that's what's happening as, as people listen to this, that they would be inspired to go a little deeper from where they are because wherever you are is fine and the Lord always wants to take you to the next level. And mm -hmm. as we progress from glory to glory, we should always be sensitive to, God, I want more. You know, I'm, you know, Graham Cook says, stay where you're at until you get it. So if you're really te learning on like father heart, then wait till you feel the Lord's your father. Well, he just overwhelmed me recently with, a 12 year old Jesus as my friend. Um, and I'm like, Whoa, okay, I, I gotta stay here because, but I was at a uh, Pat and Dan's church where Dan would model going on the floor and uh, lying on your face. 
And I, I, I had, Jesus just came down with a vision and gave me a yellow rose. And I think I shared this with you a decade ago. And I didn't know what it meant. And I Googled it. And a yellow rose means, uh, it means friendship. So along the way, you know, haven't always been the most intentional with all of my areas of life. And a couple months ago in the Jesus Lab, they said, uh, we want you to just go quiet in a place and sit down and ask the Lord to take you to somewhere special. And he's going to give you a gift. So I go and I'm in the boat in the ocean and he gives me uh, a, uh, a yellow rose again. And I was like, this is crazy. So I'm like, okay, Jesus really has taught me that he's my father. God has and I'm learning about the Holy Spirit. Um, but as I'm learning the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I'm reading a book that I think everybody would love if they're a believer from uh, um, Andrew Murray. It's really good. I'm like, Jesus wants me to learn how to be his friend better. He's not just my savior. He's not just my Lord. He really wants me to develop that friendship. And I'm like, okay. So these types of things if I think about them, I'm going to be more intentional in doing them. And he started this process 12 years ago, but I'm now ready to take that step and go a little deeper. So um, I just pray that all the different things we talked about would actually encourage people to go a little deeper. I definitely want um, Patty to know that if there's anything specific or a word from the Lord she has, you're welcome anytime. And um, would love to have you on um, again in the future. There's one thing that I felt like we were supposed to talk about. And you're so gifted in, um, in dreams and visions. And I would love for you just to share a, a little bit, as, as long as you can go, about how the Lord speaks in dreams, maybe why, and what people can do with that if they get the same dream or they know it's a dream from God or they wake up and they, you know, should they write it down? Because I feel like somebody's going to be listening to this that needs to understand that that message is from the Lord and that he is speaking to their heart. And that there are things they can grow in discerning dreams. And I'd love if you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible is full of so many encounters through dreams. Even it says to Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So even some things that we read through the scriptures, all through the scriptures, were dreams, visions. The Bible says yeah. if there's a prophet among you, they'll have dreams and visions. But even just common folks, we look at kings that God would give dreams to, to bring corrective mm. messages. So, so many times God would speak through dreams, and I didn't know that. So here in the late 90s, a couple came into our church. We were experiencing revival because revival had um, some of the revival that was happening in Brownsville. Some of our leaders went to. But when this couple came in, they did a teaching on things like dreams and hearing God's voice. And it, for the first time, I started to pay attention to my dreams, Thomas, and I realized that God was speaking, and I didn't even know it. You know, I'm thinking of a dream in the Bible that says there were seven skinny cows and seven fat cows. And if we would wake up from a dream like that, we would think, why am I dreaming about cows? That's dumb. And we'd get out and get a, you know, a cup of tea in the morning. I don't drink coffee, so I had to say a cup of tea. <laughs> but we would wake up and go about our day not realizing that God is speaking. So, you know, that's the crazy thing is, is that God is speaking so many times to people and they don't know. So what I became really faithful with doing was I would record my dreams. Mm. Nowadays, you have your phone. You can get a recorder app right on it. I'll record the dream and I'll label the title, you know, whatever, flying in a plane to Mexico, you know, or whatever the, whatever the dream was. That way I can go back through my dreams and recall one right away if I have a dream about someone else or mm. something that I want to dig back into. 
But I actually have a, a chapter in my book where I teach people how to interpret those dreams. Because, okay, we understand that this dream can be from the Lord that we're having, but we don't understand what it means because we're trying to approach it from a natural perspective. Mm. That's one thing that we can't do. Um, we have to look at it as possibly parabolic, which means mm. it's a parable. It's story form. It's symbolic. Jesus spoke in parables. And he's not giving you a dream and a parable to mm. hide it from you, okay, to, to, to hide it. But he actually wants to open it up, and we learn more through storytelling. Yeah. The revelation grows deeper when we actually give a story, you know, just like he would tell the parable of the sower. Mm. When we unraveled that parable, he said that when the seed fell on rich soil, which was when they gained understanding, mm. it took place. So that's the wonderful thing of by the time I unravel a dream that, that God has given, I have so many angles to look at it through the story and the way that he told it that it just breaks forth revelation in my heart. So when we have a dream, Thomas, I'll just give you a couple little clues, and then maybe we need to have a dream workshop. <laughs> yeah, but, um, that'd be great. But when we get a dream, first of all, don't quickly dismiss it. Pay attention. When you wake up in the morning, think, was I dreaming? Wait, mm. what was it? And bring it back to memory. Yeah. And then you yeah. want to record it. Um, you want to record it. And then how I interpret is I look at several things. I'm looking at what are some of the main symbols? Is the dream about me? Mm. Does it seem like it's about me or is God revealing something to me? Mm. If you have a dream that somebody's chasing you with a butter knife, you know, and they're, they're after you, then you might think, well, the enemy's after me with a knife, a knife. Let me look in the scripture. Okay, somebody after me might represent the enemy. I'm, I'm thinking biblically, symbols. I'm thinking, what does this mean? He's after me. So who would be after me in a bad way? It wouldn't be God. It would be the devil, right? Mm -hmm. The enemy. So the enemy's after me. I don't know who he is. I don't know what, you know what this enemy is, but he's coming after me with a knife. Well, what is a knife in the Bible? Well, we know that the sword is the word, the word of God. Does this enemy have a doll word does he have a fake word does he have something that he wants to puncture me with and then i wake up from it and i think hmm yesterday i was battling with rejection is this a spirit of rejection that's after me he's coming at me with internal words he's coming at me with internal thoughts yeah he wants to strike me so that's what we look at. We say, is the dream about me or someone else? That dream, if I just gave you that example, would have been that's, about that's me true. personally. You know? But if I have a dream that I'm a spectator and I'm watching, you know, something else happen in the dream, he's revealing something to me likely. Okay? Mm. But sometimes I'll get messages for other people. Sometimes I'll get messages for where we're at as a nation or, you know, or something that he wants to teach me so that I can yeah. teach others. Yeah. So it's really looking at the symbols. I'll give you another funny one. Let's say you're having this dream that you're taking a shower and you have these this black spot on your arm. You just can't get this black off. You mm. can't get this black off. And you wake up and you think, why am I dreaming that I'm showering and I can't get this black off? Well, we say, what does showering represent? It represents cleansing. Yeah. I have this area of my life that is dark mm, yeah 
that I'm having trouble getting clean. I'm, I'm struggling, you know. So, so do you get what I mean? Uh, what did the seven skinny cows and seven fat cows represent? It wasn't real cows. It represented yeah. Yeah. The years. healthy, right? Seven yeah. years yeah. of healthy cattle yeah. and yeah. seven years of starved cattle, famine and plenty. And so that's what we have to look at. We have to say, if you have a dream that you're, one guy told me after I did a dream workshop, he said, Patty, I've only ever had two dreams from the Lord my whole life that I can recall. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, that's probably not true. <laughs> and I said, Jim, I said, did you have any dreams this week? He says, well, actually I had a dream the other day. I says, tell me. So we're on this break during my dream workshop and he's, doesn't think he ever has dreams from Lord unless it has an angel or a thunderous voice or you know something something of the God kind, right? And he tells me this dream that he said, I was in a race and I was three quarters of the way through the race. And suddenly I had this revelation that I should have learned all these answers the whole way through the race. Now I had to go back and get all these answers to questions that I've had. And I was able to get those answers. He says, isn't that a dumb dream? I says, are you at a point in your life right now where you feel like God is giving you answers to things that you've never known for years? He said, oh. I said, the Bible says that we are all runners running our race. I didn't, I didn't hone in on your th three quarters of the way through your race. <laughs> I didn't go into that, but He's at a point in the race where he's now getting answers and he was in a spiritually healthy church. He was getting answers. He was in a workshop getting answers even that day. He was feeding his spirit and he was getting answers and God was, was laying that out before him. Thomas, one of the things that I really want to say, maybe as a close to, to this whole dream thing is when we understand that God spoke through a dream and we unravel it and we know now what, what he's saying, I always turn people back to the dream giver and say, why do you think God in all the things of the universe, he came to you and he spoke this because he cares. He came to you to let you know yeah. he knows yeah. the intricate parts of your life that he cares, that he loves you, that his wisdom is being given to you, that, that his affirmation is being given to you. All of these things I put back on the person from the Father, and by the time they're done with that encounter, it moved from a dream to an encounter yeah. because yeah. the Father just released over them something of an email, something of a message to them personally, yeah. Yeah. right? It's personal. And when that, that is where I always teach people is not to just say, oh, well, I think the dream means this, but right. to take them into, can you believe that God showed you that? Yeah. And just let them think for a minute that God loves you so much. And I'm so hearing that, you yeah, that's, say that, you know. I've heard people have, there's a book and this means this and this means this. And, and to some degree, sometimes things can mean something, but 
you're not saying it's a formula. You're literally, what you're doing when you wake up, you're, you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. It's a journey. It's, it's the kings to search, you know, to search things yeah. out. And so basically the dreams themselves is just God's getting your attention when you're subconscious, when you're, yeah. when you're asleep. And now when you're awake, as you search it out and you trust the Holy Spirit, he's showing you things. And it's funny because sometimes you can look at someone else and you can hear something and the Lord will speak to you and you can kind of know what it is. I remember, I don't remember most of my dreams. I think probably, I know it's about sleep cycles and when you're rested, it's like a certain time often that you get them. But you know, I, I have had a few just word for word dreams. And I mean, I've reached out to you with a couple of them and you know, you were like, about my marriage and you were like, uh, oh, I didn't even think about that because it was focused on me and I knew and it was a fearful. I had fear when I woke up and you immediately like just knew what it was. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that because I was stuck on the fear and I was I was caught up. But I'd emailed it to you and you called me and you just shared what the Holy Spirit showed you. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. And sometimes I've had that where I can sense something, but it's because I'm just being sent with the Holy Spirit and you can get you can get caught on yourself and we have to be willing to say, take that pause, like you said, and not assume we know what it is. And then ask the Lord to show you what it means. He wants to partner with you. That's been a big theme on the podcast. He wants to work with us and create with us and speak to us and have a back and forth and help us to search out the things of the Lord. So, And he does give us that wisdom. And I think people do need tools in the beginning. I had like 200 different dream symbols in my book that help people to think that, okay, right. if you have a dream about this particular item, let me, let me just give you a, for instance, let's say it's a car, a vehicle. What is a vehicle used for? It's used to transport something. Yep. So a lot of times we say it's the transporting of the gospel. So it could represent a ministry. So I give them ideas, but they're not definites. And God will also personalize things. So he might have, you might have a dream where you're back in an old house that you used to mm. live in. And you think, what did that represent? Oh, that was when I had a mm. lot of addiction issues or I had a lot of deliverance yeah. happening. And so God took me back into that house in my dream because there's more deliverance to take place. So, so he uses yeah. personal symbols and then he uses broad symbols and he, uses it all through his word. He says, this is my yeah. body and it's a piece of bread. You know, he says, this is my blood. And it was a cup. So he uses all through, you are the apple of my eye. You know, mm. what's why, why would he say you're the apple of my eye? So we look at the symbol of the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. What did that represent? The king, the authoritative one. Mm. So when we look at the Bible first for Bible symbols, and then we also say, well, what would that represent naturally? Okay, mm. if, if you're filling up a car with gas, what does that represent? Oh, maybe he's filling my spiritual tank. Mm. Oh, he's filling up the ministry. He's filling up my spiritual right. tank. And, and you kind of look natural. What could that represent spiritually? And that's what he did all through the, the Bible with yeah. the parables. He, he told them something natural and then let them think on it. What could that represent spiritually? Yep. So some people, Thomas, are not used to thinking that way. So yeah. they need a yeah. few tools to help them along the process with the Holy Spirit to say, well, what could that represent? Because yeah. they're all stuck over here in looking at why was the bird blue in the dream instead right. of thinking about you missed the whole concept. He's bringing right. an instruction that you're missing. 
you know? Yep. But you said so, it when you said, what are they focused on? I, what I meant was there's some that say, you know, this means tree and this means this and this, whereas it's more like, like you said, it's a, if these could be it, but when you're, when you're in the dream, it's not, was his shirt green? It's, was he looking? Was he a spectator? Was he, you know, it's sort of, you, you learn to do it and obviously your books got, and what um, books do you have anything people can purchase? Do you have stuff on your website? Yeah. So if they contact me through the website, I actually can email them the whole dream, the dream. And workshop. then you have, do you still have a deliverance book? Uh, yes, we do. So I have, I'm publishing that. I haven't done it. Yet. I was wondering if that was actually well, put out yet. I have the original copy in the folder. So when that's out, I want to link to it on Amazon on my site and, yeah, and I'll update follow, this. If they follow my Facebook page, Patty Sawmont Ministries, I'll announce when the awesome. book comes out. That'll be and great. And I'll, I'll put it on my site because I can update this and people can mm -hmm. listen to podcasts down the road. So I'll have a link to your Amazon where you're selling it. And yeah, and also going. Transformer Tools, all of that stuff too, we can make available. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful you came on. And yeah, I, uh, I was doing these every week, even twice a week for a few months. And uh, this is my first time going a few weeks off with vacations and traveling. So I feel rusty, but I just so grateful you were on and look forward to having you on in the future. If you uh, have something specific you want to share that the Lord speak into your heart about America or the elections or yeah, do a little dream thing. We don't always have to go an hour and I just love you to death and appreciate you always being there when I needed something. Um, e even though, you know, we, we don't see each other talk all the time. Um, you've been there anytime I've had a question or emailed you something and always made yourself available. And I really appreciate that. And, um, Definitely want you to pray for uh, anybody listening. Just uh, give them a blessing. And definitely, yeah. um, I'm so yeah. grateful that you came on. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. And, Lord, we are excited. We are excited, Lord. You have chosen this generation for this season. And, Lord, I believe that you have raised up heroes, Lord, that will bring solutions to the crisis in the land. And so, Father, I pray, God, just for encouragement over your children, Lord, over your leaders, God, over your pastors, Lord, those who are working in the communities, those who are raising families, God. I just pray your encouragement, your strength, Lord, over each individual and each ministry in Jesus' name. And God, we just, um, Lord, we keep our eyes focused on the prize, that you are bringing reformation to cities and nations, God, that there is an under-movement and undercurrent, Lord, that the world knows not of in all ways, Lord. But God, those things are beginning to, to build upon the earth. Those things are beginning to come forth, Lord. We see laws beginning to change. We see churches maturing, God. We see the maturation of your, your bride in the land, God. And we just join with that. We join with that with great delight, Father. And I pray, God, um, even for this podcast and for those voices that will come on with truth and with revelation and instruction, God, we thank you, God, for such a time as this, Lord, that your voice is coming forth like a shout to the cities, to the nations, God, to the peoples all over the land, Father, for you are bringing us together, Lord. You are growing us up, Lord, and Lord, we are beginning to look like each other. We are beginning to look like our Father, and I thank you for that, God. I bless the work of Thomas in this podcast, Father, that you would use 
use it mightily, Lord, and even from this that it would be a springboard for more, that it will be a springboard for more, God. And we just give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord, I just um I saw I just saw the word influence over you, Patty. That the Lord um just is raising you up. You've been so faithful your whole journey with the Lord and you've been so zealous to go for it. And, and the Lord says, go left and you go left. And he says, go right and you go right. And you and Chris are just coming into this season where um, I feel like the veil is coming off where more and more people are going to see and hear you, that your influence is going to reach greater and greater. Um, the tent pegs are expanding and it's not about growing a big church or you know being famous or being rich. It's It's about the influence of the kingdom in, in the realms of the earth. And I just really feel like um, you've been preparing for this your whole life, and the time is now. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I would just say a prayer, Thomas, for so many others that are coming into that now time. Mm. Lord, I just pray for all of those who are on the brink of new things, Father. Those things that are, they're, they're at the threshold of seeing the manifestation of some of the work that they've been building for years, God. I just pray a release, Lord, of activation and courage to step forward as you move them into those things from, from things drafted on paper to the actual manifestation of those plans. And so, God, I pray for all of those who are listening and those who will listen, God, who have within them, God, things that you have equipped them with, Lord. I pray, God, for the activation of that, Lord, that, that those things would be manifest, Lord. You, your word says that, that the earth is groaning. It's waiting for these <laughs> I just pray, God, that you would bring forth and birth forth, God, those missions inside, God. Those missions inside, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would... Um, like we shared on this podcast today, and even how I shared humbly, God, that we would all step into our position, that we would step into those places of confidence. Lord, you say that the fields are ripe unto harvest, but the laborers are few. God, I pray even now that labor suits would be placed upon people, God, that people would be employed in the kingdom, Father, those things that they've been waiting for, waiting for, God, that they would step out, they would step out, Lord. You say it's the violent that take it by force. That these two men, they're taking, uh, they're taking over cities. They're taking over. Paul changed the, the face of Ephesus. So, God, I pray for those who have been in the wait, God, as you begin to nudge them through the threshold, God, I pray, God, that they would step forward, not in their own confidence, but in the confidence of your leading them, that they would step out of insecurities, that they would step out of the fears, all of the things that the accuser would want to hold them in a threshold and never let them go through. God, I pray, God, for just a release of those things through the birth canal. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Amen. God. Thank you, God. Amen. <laughs> well. Hi. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to the Seeker of Truth podcast. And also visit our website, seekeroftruth.co, for more information about all of our guests and how you can hear more from them. I pray this conversation encouraged, uplifted, and inspired you to pursue truth at a deeper level.